Hey, I, one of the great uh, parts of my job is that you know, I remember being able to be with you all while we were praying for the new pastor, and then had the opportunity of knowing that that pastor is Josh and uh, sweet wife Ty Gain, their family. What what a wonderful couple that is. What a isn't it great how God answers prayers? Amen. amen. I was amen. I was down south uh, at a church and uh, was talking with a pastor, and their chairman of deacons was. Was had arrived and I met him in the hallway and I said, I want you to know just how really great your pastor is. And know what he said? He says, I didn't pray for second best. Praise <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> you have your Bibles with you today. We take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we know, of course, this is the Lord's sermon. This is not ours. This is a, a Sermon on the Mount. Right there uh, in the, right after the introduction of the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to get into some meat that I, I believe really uh, in my own life, in our ministry, and especially in the in the, the ministry at IBSA, was really set the theme for us the next year. And, and I pray that this sets the theme maybe for the next year for the ministry and the mission work of uh, First Baptist Church of Washington as well. You know, as we begin, I, I'm going to have you all think back to preschool. There are some concepts in preschool that you all will remember, or if you don't, it's going to kill this illustration. So if, I hope that you pray, just play along, if, even if you don't. But there were some things that they taught us in preschool, uh, Sunday school, uh, through music and the actions in those music that have really taught us great theology. And I'm going to use one of those today, but I just want to get you to the review point so that I can give you our, our, uh, our, our kind of our picture for the morning. And so as you look, think back, uh, I need you, especially the preschool experts. And I realize in the Baptist church, usually our preschool experts are right now where? In the, in the preschool, all right? So we're going to have to go without those folks, but maybe you uh, have been there enough that you can be with me. So let, let me give you uh, an action and a, and a word for one of those preschool songs, and then you give me the title of that song. Now, now, I need you to be bold, even if you get it wrong. Uh, that's okay. All right, we'll laugh a little bit at you, but we need you to be bold, and I want you to offer it to me. So I'm going to give you a word, and I'm going to give you uh, an action of that song. You give me the title of the song. The first one's the easiest, all right? And I might give you more than one word if you're not with me, all right? Are you ready? Here it is. Here it is. Jesus loves Got it. All right? How about this one? Deep and wide. Got it. See? It's, it's a little bit harder, but maybe you can get it. How about this one? The B. I B L E. All right. Now, our picture today. Probably you don't even need the word. All you need is the action. Let me see if you can do it. This little light of mine. This little light of mine. When Jesus gathered uh, those that were with him on that day at the, on the mount, and he began to share with them this great truth. He records, uh, it is recorded in, in the word in Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. And would you stand in honor of the re leading, uh, reading of the Lord's word? Allow us to be able to share that together. Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. I'm going to read 14 through 16. Where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, 
and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray together. And Father, I would pray that within the passage of those verses, that Lord, that you would help us to leave today with a true picture of what it means that you are the light of the world and how that light is offered to each one of us that you might penetrate the darkness of our own hearts and allow us to enter into a relationship with you. And in that relationship, Lord, you're going to challenge us this morning to let it shine, to not hide it, to not hide it through uh, sin or not hide it through uh, bad circumstances, but, Father, that we might be able to shine it, and, Father, that you might be able to work through us in such a way that people would be able to see our life and not see us, but to see somehow, Lord, through us and see you. That's the way the world will change. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What a great concept that is to think about. Of Jesus saying that we are the light of the world, but we're going to have to go way back in order to get some good theology to uh, see how Jesus could say that about, about you and I. And so let's head back to the Old Testament and just look at that picture for a moment so that we might go on this journey together and see why that is going to affect us this morning. So if you think back to the book of Genesis and before it all began, we have, we have this description of the world as, as, as really nothing in existence. Darkness, I think, is the word that most of our versions choose to talk about, the uncreated world. And then when God spoke, he spoke and the world, the creation, heard him for the first time, could not not do what God said. He said, let there be what, church? Let there be. Can you imagine the explosion of that, of that uh, word? When God said, let it be, it was. And light began to shine for the first time. It penetrated the darkness for the first time. And we walk through the Old Testament and we see a continual representation of God doing just that into his creation. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, it says in Isaiah 9-2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. So in the Old Testament, as God shows up, light shows up with him, it's, it's, it's neat to see this comparison in several of the circumstances. For example, we know that when Isaiah uh, went into the presence of God and he saw the Lord lifted high, and he said, Woe is me! <laughs> Woe is me! Because in the light of God, he was able to, to notice the darkness of his own life. When we uh, see the great stories in the prophets, how about the book of Daniel chapter 3, where they throw the three Hebrews into the fire. Remember that? I love the conversation, especially the VeggieTales version, when, when the guard looks into the fire and says, Hey boss, how many people did we throw into that fire? Because I see four, and he's really shiny. We have, we have pictures of God showing up in a great way, and his presence is known by light. When he wanted the uh, 
the Hebrews in the desert to be uh, constantly aware of his presence. He led them with a cloud by day, but he led them with a fire by night. When Moses was with the Lord, remember, what did Moses ask of God? Show me your glory. And what did God say? I can't do it. If I was to show you my glory, it'd be too much for you. So I'll, I'll show you the back of my glory. And remember when he went down to the camp, literally, <laughs> literally God's glory radiated from that, from that man. Let it be us, God. Let it be us when we leave this sanctuary this morning, First Baptist Church of Washington, when we head into our cars and people see us, see us this afternoon, they'll say, where were you this morning? Because you, you sure do look a whole lot brighter than you used to. <laughs> let, it, let, it radiate, let it radiate from us. In the New Testament, John describes uh, Jesus in those same words. He says, in John 1, verse 4, life was in him, and that life was the light of men. And light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. When you look at that verse, what John would want you to understand is that, folks, we live in a dark world. We live in a dark world, and it's not, it's not the fault of the dark. Because very simply, let me define you, the job description of dark. It's simple. Dark can only do one thing. It only knows how to do one thing. It only has the capacity of being able to do one thing. Dark can only be dark. This idea that we talk about, and I'm one of those because I grew up in North County, St. Louis, where it was never dark where I lived, all right? We had street lights and city lights and store lights and night lights. I mean, we had all kinds of stuff like that. When we headed out to Grandpa's house, Grandpa lived in the dark. It's dark out there. It's dark in the country, you know? Grandpa put a big old uh, pole light right in front of his bedroom. So he would stay there. It literally, you, you would have that pole light piercing through the window of that, of that, uh, that bedroom. And we complained to him. We'd say, we'd say, Grandpa, why did you ever do that? And he said, because you can see yourself go to sleep. You know, It was dark. It was dark in the country. Dark can only be dark. There's no such thing as it's, it's darker because the dark is getting darker. Understanding that the level of darkness is not the fault of the dark, it's the how much light is there in that area. And when Jesus showed up and he began his ministry, can you imagine that explosion of light that came from that uh, cradle in Bethlehem? <laughs> can you imagine that explosion of light as he entered into the scene there in, in the book of First John? Well, the world began to see him and see him compared to everything else and say, wow, there's something about, there's something about him. It's not like anything else in the world. And as Jesus began to live his life before men, he began to share with us that we could be reflections of that light. This morning, I'm going to offer you three different phrases from this passage. If you have your bulletin, and I didn't look to check if they gave you any enough, enough space to write there, but if they didn't, I know that you have, a, uh, you have an ATM receipt in your, in your uh, purse, maybe you've got, a, maybe you've got uh, something else there that you can 
find some things to write on. Uh, if you don't have a pen, easiest place to find something to write with in a, in a Southern Baptist church is to look down at the aisle, look left and right, and find the lady with the biggest purse, you know? <laughs> Especially this month, because it's been back to school sale at Walmart. She's bought 500 pins for a nickel, so she's got them there for you. She'll send you some. That won't be a problem. I want you to write down three things. I want you to look at this morning as we journey together. Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, that light on us. That light in us. And that light and that light through us. Let's look for a moment about the light on us. We open up the scripture. It says to us that you are the light of the world. But Jesus, before he said that statement, he said to uh, the disciples, John 8, Jesus spoke to them again and says, I am the light of the world. And anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. One thing that we need to understand before we can be the light of the world is understanding that we need to receive that light ourselves. When we were born into the world, we were born in darkness. My uh, daughter started dating another young man, and uh, so he got to talk to, to uh, uh, the father for the first time. That was me. And uh, it wasn't on my own. My wife kind of had made us an appointment. And, uh, and then she got pretty specific because the, the blonde-haired boy was showing up at my in my family room, and my wife said to me, she said, she said, you will speak into that young man. And I said, yes, ma'am, I will. <laughs> and he came to me, he knows that I have woodworking equipment in the garage, and he came to me, and he's, he said, can we build a table together? And my wife looked at me, and she says, and I said, yes, we can. And uh, we got together Tuesday night, started building that table. That was a table to him, but it was a conversation for me. And, and we started talking about that. And I asked the young man as we began, I said, I just want you to know, I know that you know that I'm a minister. And I just want, I just, I, I want, to, I want to ask you the most important question of your life. And I asked him, I said, if you were to stand before God today, and he asked you why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say to him? And he gave a little bit of a vague answer. And I told him, I said, I said, for the rest of our conversation tonight, and if we have to go longer, we can talk for days, but I want to talk to you about the basics of how we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I said, even if I give most of the talk tonight, I want you to interrupt me, and I want you to tell me the things that you don't understand. And that boy was with me for about two and a half hours, and we continued for that two and a half hours, and we told the basics of the gospel, because I want you to know that it is important to me that this young man knows Jesus, not just for himself, absolutely that's of prime importance, but if he was to date my daughter, I want him to be a believer in Christ. And so we walked through there, and what a glorious conversation that we had about what it meant to be a believer. And we believe that he is, and we've set that, uh, that relationship right, and we walked through, but we all need to have that relationship you may not have two and a half hours to be in my garage, but I wish you did. Because <laughs> I would love to walk you through those same conversations I walked with that young man. When all of us were born, we were born separated from God. Mm -hmm. We're in right. darkness. This morning, you don't need me to describe the darkness to you because we've all been there. Many of us have been there now through our children years and through our teenage years, even into our adult years. Darkness has been a part of our life for a long, long time. And we've been looking for something. I love that God is so graceful to us that uh, places a need in our heart for him. 
He reminds us of the darkness, and he reminds us how the darkness is not fulfilling our life. He reminds us of the hole that we have in our heart that only he can fill. And that darkness, that darkness, if we die in it, we die separated from Christ in hell. And I want you to know that hell is dark, and it's dark because there's no light there. But Jesus came, he burst on the scene as the light of the world to shine in our darkness. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross. He died on the cross to pay the punishment for our darkness. And he rose up from the grave. And the message of the victorious Christ is this, that we don't have to live in darkness anymore. That we can ask Jesus Christ to come into our life. He can save us. When I was uh, in college, I was asked to come and to preach in view of a call, but I wasn't going to be the pastor. I was going to be the part-time youth guy, and because they never heard of how you hire a part-time youth guy, just how to hire a pastor, they made me come and preach in view of a call, okay? It was just what we did, So uh, I, I said to him, I was, I was young, I was a, I was a you know, you, you, God changed my life since then, but uh, I, I thought it was Billy Graham back then, all right? And I was so excited. I said to myself, as I was getting ready to come up and to preach at the church, I said, I want to find a symbol and use a symbol in my preaching. And that blew them away. So I began thinking about the symbol that I could find and the symbol that I could use, and I was preaching on the light of the world. And so I said, I'm going to get a candle, and I'll turn that candle on, and I'll talk about the... Christian life, and I'll blow that candle out and talk about a life that didn't know Christ. And I got so excited about this symbol that I was going to use in my preaching that I thought all about the symbol, and I really didn't preach or think about the other stuff that goes with the symbol. <laughs> Are you with me? That's all I had. I had a whole lot of symbol and not a whole lot of sermon. Are you there? <laughs> You've probably been there at times, all right, all right. Just want to, oh, just, we're family, just want to be honest. So my sermon to that church was basically putting the candle on the pulpit and lighting it and blowing it out and lighting it and blowing it out. And I talk about a relationship with Jesus and I talk about a relationship without Jesus. And all I had was that, and I just kept doing that. And I would talk about lightning, I says it, it, it if, if you know Jesus as your Savior, your life is this. I says, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, your Savior, your life is like that. And I would just go back and forth, this and that, this and that, this and that. That's all I had. So I gave an invitation. And I'm like, I really blew this whole thing. Now, of course, it probably was really short, and that gave me some points from somebody. All right? There was a lady that was on the pulpit committee. They called it a pulpit committee when they were hiring the youth guy. Just it was a weird thing. But there was a lady on the pulpit committee, and she she came forward during the the invitation. My first thought was, she's coming to get me out of here. You know. <laughs> she came forward during the invitation, and she took my hand, and this is what she said. She said, Pastor, I want you to know. I've been sitting here and the Holy Spirit's been talking to me. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. My life is this. But I want it to be that. Amen. Maybe you're here today. 
darkness of a life separated from Christ is the reality that you face all your life. How about this morning giving your life to Jesus as Savior and experiencing that life for the very first time? came across a story a couple of years ago about uh, a man who had traveled with his wife through devastating <coughs> cancer and ended up taking, it took her life and he was coming home from the funeral service and getting ready to tuck his five-year-old boy into bed for the first time where mama was not alive. So brought the five-year-old into the bed, he tucked the five-year-old into the bed, told the story, said the prayers, gave the drink of water, kissed him on the forehead, turned and switched off the light of his room. And it was then, for the first time since the funeral, that he cried out. And he cried out something like this, Dad, it's dark in here. to him, sung to him, till that young man breathed easier, and the boy went off to sleep. And that was the first time that that father looked up to the ceiling since the funeral, cried out to his own father, Dad! Dad! It's dark. God, can you love me through the dark? Oh, Jesus, can Jesus can love you through the dark. He doesn't promise to make all the darkness go away. He promises to get into the dark with you. Here's the cool thing about Jesus. When Jesus gets into the dark, the dark isn't so dark anymore. Jesus, the light of the world, on us. And what can the light do in us? back in the passage, it says, you are the light of the world. Then he gives us a couple of different examples of that. He says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Church, I want you to look at those both of those examples and see how it's supposed to be with the light being in us. The light was on us. We received it. Now it's in us. What is the description of that light? And Jesus says the description of that light is that the way that we are living our life, people ought to be able to see that light and be able to know where we have a relationship with Jesus. He says to us, he says, you're the light. I grew up in First Baptist Church of Ferguson, and in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, uh, Dr. Bob Warner was put on television. They got a TV program there. So that was kind of cool as a kid, you know, get to experience that. We didn't, we didn't know anything about that. That was kind of neat. Well, they put in these really big um, stage lights to light up the stage in such a way so it would be good on television. And so, uh, honestly, it changed the temperature of the room because the lights were so bright. And so uh, when I was in the youth choir, sitting behind those lights, it really was really kind of oppressing, you know, having that much light on you. 
Uh, after Dr. Bob Warner left, this new group became the pastor, and I remember in college him preaching the message, you are the light of the world. And would tell us, he says, now look, you're not the light. Jesus is the light. He says, you're a reflection of the light. It's not us. It's Jesus in us. Are you with me, church? Mm -hmm. All right, all right. And what he did is he then reached into his pulpit and he pulled out this uh, mirror. And, and I'm not sure that the whole illustration was for me, but when he pulled that mirror out and got a hold of one of those beams, one of those TV lights, the beam <laughs> hit me. <laughs> Just like, you know, you're having this angelic moment, you know. And he, and he said, you are the light of the world. I remember that. I remember that because there are times in my life that my mirror wasn't clean. So when his light hit me, it doesn't, wasn't doing much shining because of the mess that the mirror was in. It's a reminder to me that my mirror has to be clean. He says to us, he says, you are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. It's in the need to know that we are the church gathered this morning, but here in a little bit, we're getting ready to be the church scattered and all of us have the opportunity to be able to make a difference in our community wherever we go. And God has appointed us to be at certain places as missionaries for him, to be the light in places. When I was pastoring, a lady came to me and she said, Pastor, please pray for me. I need a new job. And I said, why do you need a new job? She says, because I'm the only Christian in my workplace. It is so hard for me. And I said to her, I will not. Because God has assigned you to that place. If that light is removed, what's the hope of those people? Instead, I'm going to pray that your light would shine brighter. So they can see Jesus. You're the light of the world, a city on a hill. Isn't it neat? As you pass Broadway Street, go up to 74, you're heading into Peoria. I think this is the only place in our area, maybe central Illinois, you really can see it. But you can catch the lights of Peoria at night in such a glorious way as you come across there. That's the description of what Jesus wants in your life. <laughs> when they see you, they, he wants the world to take notice. It's not you, it's Jesus in you. Third one, he says to us, he says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a lampstand. We don't understand the culture here because we're not getting it. But literally where uh, he was speaking back to was that in the homes of that day, they had it in such a way that could light a lamp that literally sent light into the rest of the house. Don't put a basket on it. Why would you put a basket on it? I was called to a house... Uh, uh, for visitation, the wife had attended our church for almost probably a couple of months, and we were visiting her. Her husband had never come with her. We were talking with her about our church and how to join our church, and the Holy Spirit impressed upon me during that visit to talk to him about uh, the man, about his relationship with the Lord. And this is what I told him. I just, I just asked. I'm in his living room, in his house, talking to his wife about church. And I looked at him and I said, sir, I said, let me ask you a very important question. Have you ever given your life to Jesus Christ as Savior? That's all I asked. That's all I said. 
I said, this man who seemed to not say a word from the time that I got there was choked up. He looked at me and he said, yes. Yes, I have. You know, they were in the military and the military uh, moved them out a couple years later. But I can't think of a Sunday that he missed. What happened was he realized that he had the light, but he had a basket on his head. <laughs> and the Spirit said, take the basket off and start living the life. I believe that revival would come to First Baptist Church in Washington if we all did this one simple thing. Take the basket off your head. Amen. Stop living an undercover Christian life. Let it shine! Let it shine! Our little preschool song, you remember that verse? Don't let Satan shine. The light on us. The light in us. This is my favorite if you talk bad about me, you'll say, he got so excited about that third verse, the kid would never quit. I'm just put your seatbelt on. Look at the third one. I don't mean to scare you. Here's the glory. The light through us. Jesus said in this last passage, in verse 16, he says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now that's New King James. And so if you have a King James, if you've got a New King James, you're going to get that word. And if you don't, if you have a modern translation, you're, you're going to have to find that word there. I love how it says it in that passage, let your light so shine. I like that because it, it, it doesn't just say, hey, let it shine. It says, let it so shine. Let it so shine goes back to the beginning. Because it has been shining through the time that God spoke in creation. It's been shining through the Old Testament as he's been revealing himself to the world. As it so shined when Jesus was brought upon the scene. As it so shined with the day of Pentecost when the fire came from the Holy Spirit and danced upon the heads of the disciples. We have been given the responsibility of shining his light to our world. The world needs to see Jesus through us. What I love about that, he tells us how. Look what he says. He says, let your light so shine before men. Here it is. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. How do they see it? They see it by the things that we do. And the miracle here is that when they see it by the things that they do, they, see, they don't see us in the work. <laughs> mm -hmm. They see Jesus. They see Jesus in the work. Church, I want you to know that we can do these things together. And we can come together and God can use us. Of course he can use us individually, but we can do... We can do it together. I think you just came off of vacation Bible school just a couple weeks. We can't do vacation Bible school by ourselves. Well, we have 45 kids running through this building. Praise God for that, you know. Can't do this by ourselves. We've got to do it together. All of us together. And when we do it together, God does some amazing things through that. 
Hey, when we do things together, we can do things bigger than us. When we do things together, we join God in what he is doing. And, and they say, we didn't do that. We couldn't do that. God did it. When we do things together, that's when people drive down uh, the street and point here at our building and says, that's the place where God does stuff. Because it's so huge. We can't do it ourselves. Had a lady in the midst of uh, a major mission movement in our church. Um, she was kind of upset that we were focusing too much on missions. So they pause and say, there's a lot of things I got in trouble for in the ministry. I get, I'm really excited about a couple of those. What is that one? I got in trouble for the person. They talk bad. He, all he does is talk about missions. Amen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she can't. Don't be that. Don't be that person. All right? Get us for some bad stuff. All you talk about is reaching people for Jesus. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. So Kim, she says, she says, Pastor, she says, she says, all you talk about is missions. And then she said this. She says, why in the world do we need to go to the ends of the earth when we have needs right here? Boy, I wish I had this then. I didn't have it. I didn't have much. I was intimidating. I didn't have a good word. I don't know if I would have had a good word would have changed your mind. I don't know. I got one now. Uh, a missionary uh, at the turn of the century had this great phrase. He said this. He said, if we are going to be the light of the world that extends to the ends of the earth, it has to shine brighter at First Baptist Washington, let me leave you today with this great picture. If we are going to be the light of the world that extends to the ends of the earth, then the light that comes from this church has to be huge. The light that bursts forth from this building, that bursts forth from this body, has to explode in the darkness. It has to be huge. So the people all around the world can see it. There's a way today that I can up the amperage of the light that's in this building. Oh, I want to. <laughs> There's the way that I can convince you to take the basket off your head and shine. I want to. Because <laughs> there's 1.8 billion people in the world that have never heard the gospel one time and they need to hear it. That's right. And it's got to come through you. Mm -hmm. Now here's the thing. There's no way that we're going to be able to get to all the world. So we got to figure out how we can gather together and do some things together that the world, when it sees the light, the light might come from here, but they may never know our name. They may never know our efforts, but they're going to look through it and they're going to see Jesus, and that's the most important thing. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. There's a young man up in Chicago this morning who will, uh, with his wife, um, get up in a tremendously diverse neighborhood Every form of sin can be found within just a small radius from the house where he lives. Every form, every diversity, there are nations in that little area that he uh, will be speaking uh, to this morning that are, represent unreached people groups all over the world. And this young man and his wife and his kids will get together at a storefront place and they will, they will share the gospel the best that they can. They don't have much, but they have Jesus and I'm praying today as they get up this morning and they do just that, that somehow, somehow, because you are helping them, somehow they'll be able to look from Chicago, south, maybe southwest, 
over here to Washington, Illinois, and they'll notice there's a light. And that light's coming from this church. There's a young family that started a church down near Breeze, uh, Illinois. And along with that ministry, they started a brand new youth group. Right? And uh, I got called uh, or emailed the week after because when they started their youth group, one of the things they did during their, one of their first youth group meetings is they gave the gospel. All right? And uh, I don't have the exact number. I have the email. I can look it up. But I'm going to share it. It was huge. It was like 16 kids came to the Lord. All right? And they, he was so excited in his email. And here's the thing. You know what? We, when we give the gospel to people that know, know Christ, often people get saved. I just want to throw that out there. All right? That's just part of it. All right? So we shouldn't be surprised of it. All right? It happens. So he uh, had 16 kids. He, says, he said to me, he said, Mark, he says, I need Bibles. For these kids that came to Christ. And I love what he says to me. And he says, and I don't need the cheap ones. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Some of us understood what that meant, all right? And then I don't want the cheap ones. I, want, I love to have you students study Bibles. All right? Well, if we're going to bankrupt the state convention, let's bankrupt the state convention getting Bibles to kids that don't have one. Amen? That's right. So on your behalf, see, I set you up for that. So on your behalf, what I did, I sent them about 24 student study Bibles. And uh, many times that's all I ever hear. But this kid was so good to me because he sent me an email uh, the following Thursday. And this is what he said. He said, I want you to know the kids gathered together again. <clears throat> and we handed out those Bibles to those students. And the reaction from that was, what is this central Illinois? This isn't Africa. This is central Illinois, right? She says, the reaction was amazing. He says, we had kids uh, uh, tweeting their friends. We had kids posting on things on, that's, uh, they were communicating through the computer. I go, they're just asking junior hires. They'll tell you exactly what that just, I just said. All right, and, and, and she says, let me copy a statement that one of them made. A little girl made a Facebook post in the middle in the middle of the youth group meeting. And she said this. She says, I always wanted a Bible. She says, I always wanted a Bible. And it was on my Christmas list. I think this was in February. It was on my Christmas list, and I didn't get one. Hmm. But tonight I showed up at the church, and I got the Bible for the very first time. So I hope that little girl sitting in that youth group meeting was able to look out through the window. She'd have to look north. She'd have to look north and a little bit, a little bit east. And she'd see a light. And that light was coming from the First Baptist Church of Washington. A couple weeks ago, we had a team of teenagers and adults. Many of them are good friends, are at least least uh, acquaintances of your pastor. They were in they were in Haiti, the mm -hmm. Port Prince area, just outside. Yeah. And they were staying the night in a new area, and so they slept on the floor of a church. And they got up, uh, used a makeshift shower, those they could, and they went over and did a Bible school for a church that hadn't had Bible school ever. Mm. Even though they didn't speak the language, they spoke the language of love and were able to communicate the gospel through an interpreter. And I'm wondering when those hundreds of kids gathered together with that mission team, I wonder if somehow 
through the commotion of that ministry, they were able to look. At this time, they had to again look north and maybe a little bit east. And saw a light coming from the first Baptist Church of Washington. My friends, we gotta be there. Yeah. My friends, we gotta do it. Jesus in his sermon wanted to be very specific about the message for this church this morning. It was this. You. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill that can't be hid. You don't light a lamp and put a basket over it. But to let the whole house receive the light. In the same way, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works, glorify your Father who is in Every head bowed and every eye closed, and what I'm going to ask you to do uh, can be done with um, just between you and the Lord. But I'm going to have you do something, so there's going to be some commotion, and I know that folks might, if they're peeking, are going to let you see this, but that's all right. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning in the midst of this prayer time. I just want to ask you to take your finger and put your finger in front of you, let it point up. And I'm going to take you back to when you were four or five years old, and you sat in a little circle, maybe in preschool, Sunday school, and they taught you this song. And the song was, This Little Light of Mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. As you're doing that, just let the verses go through your mind. Shine all over Washington. I'm going to let it shine. Shine all over Washington. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. I won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Our pastor is going to be available this morning because some of us can't sing that song because we've never had a light. You don't have it. You're still in darkness. Oh, Pastor Josh wants to speak to you today about how you can have a relationship with Jesus. Some of us here have a relationship with Jesus, but you have a basket over your head. Take the basket off your head. We will have this morning, maybe just one Sunday, free basket removing service. If you can't get the basket off your head, we will help you get that basket off so you can leave this morning shining. We want you to shine. Come through here. Let's come together. Oh, and let's raise the amperage of light that comes out of this church so that the world, the world will take notice and see Jesus, maybe for the very first time. God, move through this church today. Thank you for the light that has shined on us, the light that can shine in us, and the light that can shine through us. In Jesus' name I pray. And amen. I'm